What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 76. We're recording this on Wednesday, November 23rd, just after 10 o'clock here in the morning on the West Coast. I am joined by Brevin Honda, per usual. Brevin, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a day before Thanksgiving, so we're getting this podcast in before the holiday and before we stuff ourselves with a lot of food. That's for sure going to be... You know, eating a lot of food tomorrow, and I'm sure consuming a lot of football as well, because we got three games, we're going to go over a couple of them, and it's going to be a great day for sure. I'm always looking forward to Thanksgiving. Uh, So much good food to be eating. So, without further ado, let's get started with our Fast Five. Last week we had Juan Daniel Avila on our show, and we talked a lot of the World Cup. And that all started for the U.S. men's team on Monday. They finished with a 1-1 draw against Wales on Monday in the first game of their World Cup campaign out there in Qatar. And it was a game where they led most of the way, but just could not seem to hold on at the end as Gareth Bale scored a penalty. And that was pretty much the game right there. Yeah, um, you saw Christian Pulisic give a nice pass to Timothy Way for a, for the opening goal of the 36th minute, but the U.S. couldn't hold on to the lead. Um, as you mentioned, that penalty kick by Bale, and that led to a just a one point um, for the United States um, in this group be standing so far. Yeah, next game will be more important for the U.S. for sure. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about that later here in the show. Um, but all, another topic that we talked about last week was Cristiano Ronaldo. He did a 90-minute interview with Pierce Morgan where he kind of discussed the state of Manchester United, um, kind of his negative experience returning for his second stint there. But on, Tuesday, on Tuesday, the club announced that the club and he – will be parting ways by mutual agreement, and that's effective immediately. So Ronaldo is no longer a United player. And in addition to that, they also said they will explore a sale of the club by the owners, the Glazer family. So this is a big deal because not only is Ronaldo gone due to that interview and his distaste with the club, but also kind of prompting the Glazer family to explore a sale. Yeah, this was shocking to hear. I mean, we knew that it was most likely to see Ronaldo go, but I think to see the Glazer family go as well, it's just, um, I didn't think we expect that part um, within this, but, you know, it's part of um, just how business works. And, you know, you know that when there's a time um, to sell the team, I guess that time it, um, has finally arrived. Yeah, it's been like 10 years of just a lack of progress, I guess you would say. And I, I can't necessarily say failure, but it's been close to it. So <laughs> it's pretty much gone to that point where they need to sell the club and they are. So definitely a big deal going on there in the world of soccer. In addition to the world cup right now, let's switch gears here to baseball. So yesterday, Justin Verlander and Albert Pujols were announced by major league baseball as AL and NL comeback players of the year, respectively. So you see both of these players getting their flowers while they can. We know that Pujols is riding off into the sunset now in retirement, and Verlander is looking to sign with a new team 
potentially, but um, two big honors for those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we think about the year that Justin Verlander had, as we mentioned, winning the Cy Young. Um, as we mentioned last week in our um, episode, um, that 1.75 area a year after not pitching, coming off Tommy John surgery, it said a lot about what Justin Verlander was able to do, his mentality to come back. And we think about our pools in the year that he's had, as we talked about throughout the season, you know, being able to come out and hit 20 plus home runs to reach 700. And, um, you know, it just says a lot about the, the character and, mm-hmm. um, you know, his energy to be able to, um, be able to play in um, that season that he did um, returning back to St. Louis. All right, let's move to NFL now, and we'll talk some football here real quick to wrap up the Fast Five. This is number four on this list. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott revealed to reporters on Tuesday that there's mutual interest between the Cowboys and free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., the Cowboys and Giants, who are another potential suitor of OBJ and the Giants, we all know, are his first NFL team. Those two teams are going to meet this Thursday, so tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. at AT&T Stadium. So it kind of seems like it's the Beckham Bowl, if you will, like a competition <laughs> to see who's going to sign him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is – I've never seen a team in particular after – a player like this so outspokenly um, yeah, during agree. a season. You know, you see it more like behind the scenes, you know, where you know, if a team wants to go after a player, they're not, you know, going all out. You know, like, for example, right now, if we're going to get into it, we're not hearing someone like the Major League Baseball, such as Aaron Judge, you know, mm-hmm. it seem like the Giants going all out who we're going to talk about in a sec. The San Francisco Giants. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. So we have that going on there uh, with Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants. But let's switch gears here to college football, which is the top four for the CFP rankings is the same. So that's Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. LSU is also number five, but they're ahead of number six USC. And USC is coming off a really big one against UCLA where – it was back and forth pretty much the whole way, but they were able to pull mm-hmm. it off. Um, thrilling win, only one loss for the Trojans. So um, these rankings are what they are right now, but won't stay the same because Ohio State is hosting Michigan this Saturday morning. Yeah, we're going to finally get to a point where we only have three. We could see three undefeated teams after this weekend. And the biggest um change within these rankings was the loss that Tennessee suffered to I think it was South Carolina where they just got completely blown out and mm-hmm. um Tennessee they dropped to uh down to ten. Oregon moved up to nine with their win as well. You think about TCU the way that they won last weekend. Um running the ball on I think it was third and seven and then with no timeouts having the entire I think uh they switched 11 players. Yeah, the 11 players on offense all came out for 11 players on special teams to, to kick the field goal. And <laughs> as time expired, you know, and the clock's still running. They still were able to get the kickoff and um, get the win. So that is our fast five for the week. A lot mm-hmm. going on here, even though it is the week of Thanksgiving. And 
it'll definitely be noteworthy to follow throughout this weekend as well, all these things that are going on. So now let's talk some MLB, and we're going to go back to fair or foul. It's been a couple weeks since we did it, but we're going to give our free agency predictions Thanksgiving meal style. So we have a bunch of different players that are, I guess, kind of representing different Thanksgiving meals, and we're going to go over these players just like we would our Thanksgiving meal. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to go around the table here. Let's start off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Start with the turkey. So we broke this down into four parts. You know, there's different parts of the turkey. So mm-hmm. the biggest, uh, I'd say the biggest piece of meat uh, on the free agency market mm-hmm. is the breast. And you've got, we talked about just a couple minutes ago, and Aaron Judge, uh, he's going to enter his age 31 season next year. And, um, it sounds like Aaron Judge had talked to the Giants. He's Aaron Judge, obviously from the Bay Area, went to Fresno State, was a first round pick by the Yankees. And um, Kyle, where do we see Aaron Judge going? Yeah, this is always tough to predict where free agents are going to go, but I think ultimately where it's going to come down to is either the Giants. He's either going to want to go back home to San Francisco, as you mentioned, he's meeting with the Giants today. Or he is going to stay in New York with the Yankees. I think mm-hmm. either of those teams, whether it's the AL or NL, I think those are the clear favorites. And I think it's going to be one of those teams. We all know that the Yankees are going to be willing to keep him and break the bank for him, to be quite honest, because of the season he had last year winning MVP. And the Giants, I think, are in a position where they have a solid core, but they need a star player and judges that kind of guy that can provide some spark on offense. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see because the payroll for the Giants have so much payroll flexibility. I don't think they have a player signed after next season. Mm-hmm. So they, the Giants, they have that flexibility. So it'd be interesting to see where Aaron judge wants to sign. And, yeah. Um, but, I think ultimately, I think he stays in New York. You know, after mm-hmm. he hit 62 home runs, um, it's hard to, you know, and you think about what he's been able to do. I say getting back to the playoffs last year. Um, I think Aaron Judge stays in New York. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the thigh. And we go Carlos Correa here. Um, one of the big name shortstops here on this market. Um, Carlos Craig going to enter his age 28 season, opt out of his three year deal, I think it was, with the Twins. So mm-hmm. he's now a free agent. Yeah, this is a really interesting deal um, that he could potentially sign elsewhere in the deal that he opted out. Um, as an Angels fan, I definitely want to say he ends up as an Angel, but I have no idea. I don't think I don't think he will ultimately. I think they do need to make a splash for a shortstop during this offseason, but I don't think it is going to be Korea. I'm kind of go going to go with a, a wild card here, and I'm going to say he's going to end up on the Baltimore Orioles. And this might be a surprise to mm-hmm. a lot of people, but I yep. think that they're in a position where they can contend because we saw last season they won 83 games. And I think if there's one position in which they need help, it's definitely that shortstop position because Jorge Mateo, he's a great player and we all love him from 
being in San Diego, but is he a long-term guy to have a short sub? Not really. And you need a star player in that infield alongside Ryan Mountcastle and Gunnar <laughs> Henderson and even Adley Rushman, you know, behind the plate. And so I think this is a guy who could provide a lot of spark for that team. They need to improve their pitching rotation a little bit too, but I think that they could be a dark horse to sign him, and I think they could surprise a lot of people and break the bank and end up signing him. Yeah, that's a really great option there. You know, there's a lot of teams that need shortstops, and we're going to get into some of these other shortstops. There's four big mm-hmm. shortstops on this list, and Carlos Price is just the first that we're talking about. And uh, you think that um, where he fits, and ultimately for me – you know, what he did in Houston kind mm-hmm. of alters that. I mean, especially for the teams that need a shortstop. You know, you think about the Dodgers with Trey Turner, who we're going to talk about. He's a free agent. So that their positions open up um, in the captain of the infield. You mentioned Baltimore. You mentioned Minnesota. Um, you know, you can even put the Chicago Cubs as well in that category. Yeah. You know, the Cubs are one of those teams that, you know, they're trying to get back to building a foundation um, in order to get back to the playoffs where they were, you yeah. know, six, seven years ago. And I don't see Carlos Trey going to the Cubs, but that could be very interesting. Well, any of these any of these players going to Chicago, just besides probably Wilson Contreras, is probably interesting um, just because it tells you that, you know, okay, now's the time to, turn things around and Mm -hmm. but when I think about Carlos Correa because he only spent one year um in Minnesota I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. and with his years in Houston and how kind of bad that ended so to say with the science healing scandal it's kind of just say where he's going to go because it's not like um you know he had a good year in Minnesota but if I had to pick a team, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out of the blue here. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it goes to Seattle. Hmm. I like that. I think with, um, you know, JP Crawford is a really great player, but you know, this is like getting that next best thing, and it, yeah, JP Crawford's gonna add that left-handed bat as well into that lineup. He could be that DH. You know, he can easily be that vital piece, but I think Carlos Correa in Seattle would be pretty unique um, to see and um, head back to the American League West. Mm-hmm. All right. We stick with shortstop. One of the best legs in the market um, this this winter is Trey Turner. Um, we'll enter age 30 season um, coming up in 2023. Where does Trey Turner go now? Yeah, I think there's a few options here, but ultimately I think he's going to sign with the Phillies. I think he could mm-hmm. add a lot of spark to this team, and they do have Bryson Stott, but he is on the younger side, and he could be moved to second base if they wanted to instead of uh, Sosa. I mean, there's a couple different options that you could go here with this infield, but I think ultimately he would fit in really nicely um, amongst this Phillies roster. I mean, they're a lineup with a lot of talent, some young guys that have a lot of pop in their bat, and that rotation is really good. And obviously they ended up in the world series for a reason. So 
it's a little surprising. I, I think the Cubs could be a nice suitor for him too, but I'm going to go Phillies. Yeah, they're saying there's been reports saying that Trey Turner wants to return back to the East Coast. Obviously, playing with um, he played with the Nationals previously, won a World Series with them, and um, the Phillies seem like a big good fit as well. I think mm-hmm. if Kyle, if I. Th- think I'm going to have to either agree with you or if not, I'm going to lean towards the Boston Red Sox here. It depends mm-hmm. on if the Red Sox decide not to re-sign Xander Bogarts, who we're going to get to in a little bit. Yeah, but true. I'm, I'm going to go here with um, the Red Sox here. Um, you think about coupling him with uh, Rafael Devers on that left side of the infield is – so huge, and then too, you think about with the uh, non-shifting rules coming up in 2023. You know, we're going to see more of the likes um, from Trey Turner. Um, mm-hmm. And you think about being able to steal bases where bases are going to be three inches bigger. You know, that means it's a total of six inches of a base path that's shortened by it, with the bases being bigger, yeah. and that's just going to help you know, a player like Trey Turner, whether it's uh, base running or it's turning double plays and uh, whoever gets in, you know, they're going to enjoy Trey Turner Mm -hmm. um, part of their team. So I'm going to go the Red Sox here. I like that. All right. Now we get the wing and probably the best pitching arm on this market. It's, there's a, it's on the, it's more on the veteran side, but it's Jacob DeGrom. Um, the former back-to-back Cy Young Award winner. Um, he's going to be 35 in 2023. Kyle, where do you see Jacob DeGrom going? Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, oh my gosh. I don't even know where he's going to end up. I mean, this is a guy who is easily the best pitcher in baseball, and we all know that he's just an absolute stud. Um, whoever is going to pick up, pick this guy up is going to – have to spend a lot of money to get him, no doubt about it. Um, I think ultimately he goes to the AL West. I think he ends up with the Rangers. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors that he wants to play in Texas. He wants to be there. And I think the Rangers are in a position where they can afford him. Not only that, but they have a solid roster behind them. They just need to add some more pieces. And I think that's, Really what it's come down to, um, they just made that trade for Jake Odorizzi, who's going to be on the back end of that rotation. Mm-hmm. And right now, John Gray is their ace, and they need a better ace than John Gray. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think with that in mind, I mean, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager being a part of their lineup, if they're able to add a couple more guys, they can contend. And even if it's a year or two, I think DeGrom would enjoy his time in Texas. Yeah, that you think about rotations for all of baseball mm-hmm. and who's in the position to sign someone like a Jacob Degrom. The Rangers are certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. I think the one interesting one, and it depends. I know they got a young, a lot of younger guys, but mm-hmm. could you imagine Jacob Degrom down in Miami with Sandy oh, Alcantara? That would be one of the best one-two punches. Um, in the game right now. Mets fans wouldn't like that. <laughs> Whenever uh, the Marlins go to City Field, likely it's only 
two times instead of three times now with the expanded schedule, but it's probably not going to happen. But if Kim Ng can make a move like that to get Jacob DeGrom, you know, it's, crazy. it just establishes that rotation, um, you know, and just makes that rotation even deeper. Um, so I'm going to go out of the blue here and I'm going to take Miami here. I don't think it might, I don't think it'll happen, but you know, Every GM, they're in on every big piece. Yeah. Um, no matter how big or no matter how small, especially when it comes to pitching. And we've seen how much in the playoffs pitching matters. You know, we've seen it. Um, you know, especially starting pitching. You know, we see it. Mm-hmm. How how crucial pitching is when it comes to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All right. We go to move away from the turkey now. Uh, we're going to go to the mashed potatoes. And here comes Wilson Contreras here. Um, Wilson Contreras is going to be 31 this year. Kyle, where do you see uh, Wilson Contreras going? Yeah, I don't know if he would. He will do this just because of his experience so far in the majors leagues with the Cubs. But I say the Cardinals, man, I think. They're in a position to sign a catcher, and this is the guy that they need on that team following Yardier Merlina's retirement. I mean, this is a guy who is able to hit so well, as we know, and we also know that he's a great defensive catcher as well. And so this is easily the most, you know, notable catcher on this free agency list, you know, in this entire offseason. And I think a team's going to have to spend a lot to get him just because he is in the prime of his career right now. Like you said, age 31 year, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Cardinals. I don't know if that'll happen, but I think that they could definitely use him. Yeah. You think about the idea of Molina, you know, retired after this year. So the Cardinals, they're the mixed very catcher. Um, it'd be interesting to see where Wilson Contreras decides to go. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Wilson Contreras wants to, <laughs> um, stay within the division. Um, exactly, because mm-hmm. Cubs fans, you know, um, you know, you think about teams that really need a catcher, right? You know, I could really, I'm gonna continue to be, uh, um, go the unthinkable here. I could, I don't know how much if this team is talked to Wilson Church yet, but. The Blue Jays seem pretty interesting, and mm. we saw how good Alejandro Kirk was. You know, adding um, a catcher like Wilson Contreras, or even um, you know, with um, the Astros' second catcher, uh, yeah. with him becoming a free agent. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. Christian with Christian Vasquez to be an option. Option um, with now he's a free agent. The Astros are also, I think, in play for Wilson Contreras just because with Martin Maldonado getting a little bit older, uh, Wilson Contreras could be on uh, for the Astros. So I would not be surprised if Wilson Contreras goes to an American League contending team uh, like the Blue Jays or the Astros. I could even see a team like the D-backs try and mm-hmm. pursue this guy because the D-backs had a better year than we all expected last year. They put up almost 75 wins. And Carson Kelly for Arizona has not really been that long-term solution. 
And mm-hmm. even Dalton Varsho, you know, we all know he plays center field, but he played catcher a lot last year too. So we mm-hmm. could even see a team like the D-backs go into their payroll and spend a lot on this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with, with um, Trey Lovell's and a big contract, a long-term contract extension mm-hmm. uh, with the team. All right, we go to the mac and cheese, and we just mentioned him a few minutes ago, and that is Justin Verlander. He's going to be 40 years old, coming off of a Cy Young um, his third Cy Young Award. Kyle, where do you see Justin Verlander going? Yeah, this is tough. Um, ultimately, I think he's staying in Houston. I, I do see him staying in Houston. I think he's going to be a part of that rotation right now. And ultimately, he's had so much success there. I think he's going to keep it up because they are easily – a World Series favorite for next season. And so I think even though he's 40 years old, he's going to be pitching for at least a couple more years, and he's still pitching at a high level. Um, I know that some other teams that are listed on here are, you know, even potentially the Rangers, you know, not moving too far to Arlington. He could end up on the Rangers, or he can even go to the Dodgers. But Ultimately, I think he would either stay in Houston or go to the Dodgers because he's got to be with a contender at this point of his career and with the ability that he's at in terms of pitching. So I say he stays in Houston or goes to L.A., but I would say the more likely option is Houston. Mm -hmm. I think because of his age, you know that he's not going to sign like a big like six, four plus year deal, right? um, you know. And so you know this is going to – whatever Justin Verlander should sign, whether it's a one-year or two-year deal, you know there's going to be an opt-out after this year most likely. Mm-hmm. And and so it's basically a one-year rental. Where do you – you know, who do you – where do you want Justin Verlander? And the price is going to be pretty steep for him. So you're thinking at least on the low side, $30 million. Most likely. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who wants, what team wants a player entering um, his age 40 season coming off of a Cy Young and paying um, this person $35 million, you know, right. roughly. Mm-hmm. And if there's any team that could use that starting pitching, like a Justin Verlander, why make him feel mm-hmm. younger and have him go to New York where he's got to shave the beard? <laughs> go to the <laughs> Yankees. You know, you, and that's been talked about, I think, because of how big money, you know, those big market teams are like the Yankees. But you think about Justin Verlander, have him in, in a rotation with Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole. It just, you know, like like I mentioned with Jacob DeGrom and Tina Contra, it just expands that rotation even bigger. Mm-hmm. And if Justin Verlander goes to New York, you know, they're the Yankees. If, you know, even if they sign Aaron judge as well, that puts them in already in, you know, playoff contenders, you know, having, um, you know, as you mentioned, Garrett Cole, you know, Nestor Cortez, but you think about um, Isaiah Kiner, Falafa, Anthony Rizzo, who they've already signed. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have John Carlos Stanton uh, as well. So, you can see Justin Verlander looking like he's 30 um, with a shaved beard um, out in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Nick, uh, we get a couple of short tops now, but we're going to have some stuffing. And we're going to talk Xander Bogarts here, who's going to be 30 um, this upcoming season. Yeah, I'm going to go with the surprise here. I'm going to say the Angels sign him. Mm-hmm. I think they're in a market for a shortstop, and this is, I think, the guy that they would most likely sign. Such a good hitter. We all know he has a good fielding ability, too, and this is what they need in order to put their roster over the edge. They need a, sh- a starting shortstop. They need more runs, and this is a guy who's going to be able to do it. I think that this is really what it comes down to. I think Swanson could be another option. That's pretty solid, but when you think about guys with a lot of experience and who would fit in nicely within this lineup, I think Xander Bogarts is going to be the most likely to do it. And I don't know, the Twins could end up signing him too, maybe even the Cubs, but I think the Angels need a really quality shortstop to put them over the edge in terms of their lineup, or at least put them in a, not even over the edge, just in a position to put up more runs, you know? I think he could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to figure out where Xander Bogarts is going to go. Obviously, he spent his, pretty sure his entire, well, his entire major league career um, with the Boston Red Sox. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of difficult to see where these players are going to go. You know, it's, you know, after spending their, you know, thus far of their career uh, with one team. Mm-hmm. And when I think about Xander Bogarts, you know, shortstop, going to be 30 this year. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go there with the Orioles. I don't see him saying anything. <laughs> I think, you know, if the Red Sox don't go after Trey Turner, they don't go after Carlos Correa, they mm-hmm. could easily, you know, resign. This is a player that could easily resign with their team. And... Um, yeah. that's something that could easily happen. And so I think, I think Xander Bogart stays, um, in Boston. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. We go to the games or the sweet potatoes, whatever I like to call. I know they're two different things, but we're going to remain in the shortstop class. And we're going to go to Dansby Swanson, the former first round pick that was traded from Arizona to Atlanta, now is a free agent here in 2023. Kyle, where do you see Danzy Swanson going? I think he goes to the Cubs. I think this is a really nice fit for him. Um, it, it just really comes down to how much they're willing to pay him and then if he wants to stay in the NL as well because I think if he does go to an AL team, it's going to be the Twins or the Red Sox. I think those are the most potential suitors for him coming from the American League, but if he does stay in the NL and if it's the right price, I think Chicago would love to have this guy around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a pretty good pickup there. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that's preventing me from saying the Braves is the way that they've handed out contracts. You know, yeah, I agree. Long term, but it's pretty team friendly. And I think Dansby Swanson you know, wants to be part of Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and get within $50 million of their contract. So let's say right. if um, they're both, if Carlos Correa and Trey Turner are both getting, let's say, $250 million or something like that total for their contract, 
Dainsby Swanson then wants probably wants somewhere within that two hundred million dollar range, and I don't know if the Braves are going to be willing to, you know, take you know be able to offer something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you've seen from Ronald Acuna Jr., you know his contract was eight for one hundred, I think it was. The Osby was pretty similar, so we're seeing, um, you know, the Braves pull out these pretty long term but team friendly deals, and I don't know if. Dancy Swanson's going to want that. Right. I think that's the question for Dancy Swanson. If there's one team not named the Braves where he, he could go, mm-hmm. this would be the perfect fit, I think, for, for a team like the Mariners if they don't sign another shortstop. You know, if they don't sign Trey Turner, they don't sign Carlos Correa or Xander Bogarts, Danzy Swanson can easily fit in well. You know, you think about mm-hmm. that kind of mentality that they have set um, in Seattle. You know, you know the pieces just continue to come together. Um, mm-hmm. I think Seattle's an option there. Philly could be an option. Um, you mentioned the Cubs. Um you know, it's just teams that, you know, are in position. You know, the Dodgers could be in that position to to give Dane Three Swanson in the bag if he wants to. So Yeah, definitely. A good amount of teams that could be in the mix for I would say shortstop number four, uh uh-huh, among the shortstop rankings this um free agent market this year. Mm-hmm. All right. One thing I almost forgot within the menu was the gravy. But I made sure mm-hmm. to to include the gravy. <laughs> um, gotta flavor up that turkey. And one of the big pitchers on this market is probably a name that we started to hear just over the last few weeks, and that is starting pitcher Kodai Senga, uh, who's coming from Japan. He will be thirty years old in twenty twenty three. Does not have any posting um other requirements you know because of how long he's played in japan so he's a free mm-hmm. agent just like um you know these other players that we're talking about and there's been multiple reports saying saying has already talked to multiple teams including the padres um is rumored to have talked to the giants the rangers the yankees the Mets, as well as the red sox so big market teams teams that are ready to win um teams that are currently contending Kyle, where do you see Kodai Senga going? Yeah, I think ultimately a guy of this caliber and a guy with so much hype surrounding him, I think ultimately he lands in New York with the Mets or with the Padres. Mm-hmm. I think either of those teams need a starting pitcher, especially if the Mets aren't able to re-sign DeGrom. I think that this is a guy that would be a nice replacement for him. Um, but ultimately, I think... You, you know, Tony do it with signing with the Angels. We know that Ishiro, you know, signing with Seattle. It, it seems like a lot of these Japanese players love playing on the West Coast, you know, somewhat somewhat close to home compared to elsewhere in the country. There's a lot of fandom that, surround these, that surrounds these players, especially on the West Coast. And, of course, there's Seiya Suzuki with, as another name, you know, with the Chicago Cubs um, that has a lot of fans out there too, but – I think ultimately he he's going to want to stay on the West Coast and stay with a contender that needs a starting pitching arm. And I think that's going to be the San Diego Padres. And not only them, but having you Darvish, you know, oh. as a mentor on that team, 
I think would mm-hmm. work wonders for him, you know, with his first year coming up in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hop on that point as well. Cody Senga, I'm pretty sure, played with the SoftBank Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Nash, uh, Nippon Professional Baseball League in Japan. And uh, the Padres have a couple of players that played on the SoftBank Hawks. I'm not sure if they were teammates with Cody Senga. And that's mm-hmm. both Nick Martinez and Robert Suarez, who both oh, okay. um, officially signed contracts. And so on top of Darvish, you got both both of them. Um, you got Hideo Nomo, who's in the Padres front office um, as well. You know, one of the good pitchers from, coming from Japan, one of the first to come from Japan. So the Padres have the personnel to make that op- uh, push and opportunity for Kode Senga to be playing baseball um, here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, we got the cornbread. And uh, we're going to have seconds here with cornbread. So first, we're going to go Brandon Nemo. Kyle, where do you see Brandon Nemo going? Yeah, this is a tough call. Um, I think that he's going to end up staying in New York with the Mets, to be honest with you. I think he's been a solid player them throughout his career um i know that there are a couple other suitors like the giants the dodgers even the astros um i think a dark horse could end up being the marlins or even the royals to be honest with you because those teams need some help as well but ultimately i I think he's been such a productive player for new york that he ends up staying there i think for me i think there's two teams that Need the left-handed bat. We kind of mentioned it um, last week. One team that we mentioned, you know, was the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, they mm-hmm. made that left-handed bat. That's why they traded Teoscar Hernandez uh, yeah, to Seattle. To Seattle. So Brandon Nemo could be a fit there in Toronto. True. Um, Seattle could be in that same conversation as well. Um, you know, you think about you know their current three outfielders, Mitch Kaniger. Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez are all from the right side. So Brandon Nemo could easily be a piece, you know, um, playing left field. Yeah. Or, you know, especially as a left-handed hitter, um, whether it's on the bench or it's playing one of those outfield spots. And Mm -hmm. sticking on the same bat of left-handed hitters that are free agents, probably one of the surprise names on this list is Cody Bellinger, who is non tendered by the Dodgers. Um, Cody Bellinger, we think about how long he's been in the league. He's going to be 27 um, next year. Yeah, this is an interesting player to have on this list because we don't really know where he's going to end up. I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. Obviously, we know he's the MVP caliber player, but mm-hmm. where's he going to end up? Um I'm going to say the Yankees. I think they could use his bat. I don't know if they're going to be able to get him back producing to the level where he was before, but I think there's a guy who could, you know, perhaps produce on any given day and even, you know, replace a guy like Aaron Hicks if, you know, they Mm -hmm. aren't able to re-sign Judge in the outfield and keep him out there. So I think they need a bat with a lot of power. And mm-hmm. he can definitely provide that, even though he's been struggling as of recent years. I think this is a guy, you know, even if he's not even able to produce 
like he once was back in 2019. He has an incredible arm either way. Yeah, the thing that's hurt Cody Bellinger is just once he had that shoulder surgery, you know, he hasn't been the same player like we saw, mm-hmm. you know, when he won the MVP. And even the year before when he was competing with Christian Yelich for that MVP in 2018. Yeah. And, uh, when he th- and I think it just shows that both the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger agreed that, you know, he just needs a new start. He just needs a new fresh start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, he could I, – I think this one, it's – I feel like it's a, a, a blind dart throw because you do not know where Cody Bellinger is going to go. He can go to literally any other 29 teams in Major League Baseball easily. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I think if – you know, like I mentioned with Brandon Nemo, Toronto could easily be an option if, um, you know, they need a left-handed hitter. So, I think I'll lean. Co- I think I'll lean towards Toronto if Brandon Nimmo does not sign. Uh, Brandon Nimmo. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the cranberries. Gotta have something sweeter with this Thanksgiving meal, and we go Jose Abreu, the first base slash DH um, player, was with Chicago, won an MVP in twenty twenty as we. Found out during a trivia segment a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, 2023 will be his age 36 season. So getting up there in age, Kyle, where do we see Jose Abreu going? Yeah, I got him going to the Twins. I think they need a bat at first base or DH. And we all know that he can play both at a high level. And it really all starts with his hitting ability. That's why he won MVP, like you said. And so I think they, they could use this bat. They got a couple other bats, Byron Buxton, Jose Miranda. We saw Luis Arias win the average leading title in the AL. Batting ti- yeah, the batting title in the mm-hmm. AL, you know, you know, leading in batting average, preventing Aaron Judge from getting that triple crown. So um, I think they could use him and add to this lineup. And they won 78 wins. They were close to 500. And he could be a player that helps put them over that edge. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where Jose Abreu goes. You know, one of the top first basemen on the market, you know, and despite he's really 36 years old, um, I think the Padres will be in the mix, um, you know, with their first base situation um, still up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he could resign with the White Sox, possibly. Uh, the Astros are in the mix if, you know, knowing that Yuli Guriel is getting up there in age as well. Um, but ultimately, I could see him in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about what the Padres are doing, the type of bat that he provides to that lineup with, with Fernando Tatis, Jose Abreu hit like five or six, and that's just how deep that lineup is. Um, right. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to score runs. Um, let me pull up his stats from last year. But, you know, just adding to that lineup, um, you know, with Manny Machado, with Jake Cronenworth as of right now, um, you know, it's just going to help out. Um, you know, this is a guy that's, Gonna hit for average. He was a he was one of the few hitters last year in baseball that hit for three hundred. 
you know, along with Luis Arises, um, you mentioned hit 15 home runs, um, played in 157 games. He's played in at least 128 games in every single year of his career. So, you know, the durability is there. Um, last season, 40, 40 doubles, um, 75 RBIs, 15 homers. So you saw a little bit of a lot production but i don't think that should but with him hitting 304 um it just it takes away that that loss of production and so it feels like Mm -hmm. all right now we go to the pumpkin pie and we close it out with dessert uh we got a couple of closers here on the free agent market couple on the on the older side you got and pitchers with um a possibly a Hall of Fame pace. Uh, we got Kenley Jansen, and we got Craig Kimbrell. Kyle, where do you see Kenley Jansen going? Yeah, this is kind of a tough call because I don't know where he's going to end up, to be honest with you. It's, it just comes down to a team that needs a reliever in that position. And honestly, I could see him going to the Twins as well. This is a guy who... Mm-hmm could get a big contract here or at least you know a sizable contract for this stage of his career and he performed pretty well with the Braves last year all things considered we all know how Dodgers fans feel about him but I think he ended up saying going to the AL and and going to the Twins as well mm-hmm. for, for Kenley Jansen that's difficult um yeah I feel like I feel like he goes somewhere in the. I feel like he stays in the National League. Yeah, he could. But he's just trying to figure out where. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, now that he's thirty-five, he's probably going to get a one-to-two deal, um, like you mentioned with um, Justin Verlander. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to see where he lands. I. You know, there's teams that need closers. There's some teams that don't because they already have that set. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they need it, I doubt he goes to the Dodgers um, right. <laughs> to fulfill that back end. I don't – the fit's there, but I don't see it happening um, just because the Dodgers really don't have a closer. Um, you know, you think about – Oh, God, I'm just trying to go down the list to see who really needs, you know, because I think at this point, um, yeah, Kenley Jansen wants to go to a contender. And, you know, who's going to be legitimate contenders? Mm-hmm. I get it. I think if there's one, I could see the Phillies being in the mix. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, whether he's seventh, the eighth inning, or he's the closer, he could easily fit him into that mix there in Philly. Um, you know, even though he's not throwing 100 miles an hour like Sir Anthony Dominguez or um, Jose Alvarado from the left side, you know, he can yeah. easily – he still that force, and he still has that cutter um, that's mm-hmm. so key. And, you know, how – and it helped how good he – you know, he had a really good season, uh, racking up over 30 saves this year. Um here in 2022, he had a um, Kenley Jansen here in 2022. Had 41 saves this year. That was 
um, atop the league. So, yeah, um, you know, that helps so much um, going into this offseason for him. So right. I could see Philly being in the mix um, just to establish that back end. Um, the Cardinals could be an option for Kenley Jansen, you know, to establish that back end with um, them saying they like, oh, um, Alex, Alex Reyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think any of those two teams would be good fits for Kenley Jansen. All right. Since you didn't have enough of Kenley Jansen or enough of one serving a pumpkin pie, let's do one more. And that is mm-hmm. Craig Kimbrell. Um, didn't have the best of years. I know it was hurt for a little bit. Wasn't on the Dodgers postseason roster, but it's still a viable force um, whenever he comes out. And as you know, I think with Craig Kimbrell, I think it's just like Cody Bellinger. I think it just needs to be in a fresh new place here in 2023. Um, so, Kyle, where do you see Craig Kimbrell landing? Yeah, I got him staying in the L.A. market, but with the Angels, I think they need a closer. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy they can end up building as a part of that bullpen in mm-hmm. which they need. I think Jimmy Herget, he's a solid guy, but I don't know if he's your long-term closer. And <laughs> Kimbrell kind of struggled last year at times, mm-hmm. and he's kind of on the decline. But I think if there's any way to kind of revive his career, it's in a new spot, like you said, and I think this is a good place to do it. Coming from Rysel mm-hmm. Iglesias, where he was signed yeah. a really long-term deal. You're coming off of that contract and shipping him to Atlanta. I think you need to sign Kimbrell to a one- or two-year deal, and, and that would be solid yeah. for mm-hmm. this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the Angels are smart and trying to go get Craig Kimbrell, it's for one or two years. It's two years with a player option, mm-hmm. or it's two years with a club option. Yeah. Um, but I can see the Angels here. All right, mm-hmm. a couple of players. Um, I forgot to mention the green bean casserole, so let's get to that right now. It's Carlos Rodon, yeah. one of the top left-handed pitchers um, in this market. Kyle, where do you see Carlos Rodon going? Yeah, I have him going out east. I think he's going to join the Mets, or if it's the mm-hmm. Ale, I think the Red Sox could use his arm. I think these are two teams that use that could really use a solid starting pitcher, and they're both in contention, I think, year in and year out, and he's going to be one of those guys who can provide <laughs> a lot of innings as a part of your rotation. Mm-hmm. Carlos Rodon threw a new season high, 31, uh, had 31 starts last year, has won 27 games over his last two years. Um, so you know he's a not just a strong pitcher, but someone that's going to go deep into ballgame, six, seven innings. We saw him go yeah. nine against the Padres earlier this year, um, but – I like the Mets in this one, especially if they can't land um, Cody Senga or they can't re-sign Jacob DeGrom. So I like the Mets on that one. Um, we forgot the salad as well. Um, and uh, that is Justin Turner. I probably should have had the salad first, but how, where, do you see Justin, where, where do you see Justin Turner going? Yeah, I think he's going to go to a team that contends at this stage of his career and – I would mm-hmm. say most likely the Dodgers, but honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he even goes to a team like the Houston Astros as a part of their bench and helps mm-hmm. DH for them a little bit, I think, as well. And even can fill in at first, as we know, um, because right now their starting first baseman is David Hensley, if not Jordan Alvarez. And so I think he could play a little bit of either first or DH at this point of his career. 
um, wherever they mm-hmm. need him. And I think that's going to be a one-year deal either in LA or Houston. Yeah. I, I think he stays with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, as you talked about with Clayton Kershaw, um, and it'd be a one-year deal and they'll just go year to year with him. Like how they're going year to year with Kershaw. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the angels. They made a big move last night. The angels acquired a hundred Renfro from the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Angels sent right-handed pitcher Jansen Junk, right-handed pitcher Elvis Pagrero, and minor league left-handed pitcher Adam Seminaris going to Milwaukee. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, it's a big trade. I think it's what they needed to because they needed more runs, and it's a really solid acquisition considering what they gave up for him. And he has 25 home runs each of the last five full years. So this is giving them a bat with a lot of pop and he's a solid outfielder as well. And I think this is a guy who will be able to produce. It's kind of interesting because it kind of kicks Jared Walsh out of the lineup now. So uh, mm-hmm. they really, you really see the angels going to put more depth as a part of their lineup. And now they just got to build that rotation. I think signing a shortstop and then just adding to the bullpen is really all they need to do. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what this really showed was the Angels don't see that Joe Odell is completely ready for the big and leagues. That too. Yep. Uh huh. Because they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't make a move like this knowing that, um, you know, and we saw one of the things that Joe Odell struggled with was his arm um, in the outfield, and that's one of Hunter Renfro's strong. Uh, strengths with his game, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Especially in the field, so I think that's. I think it just the Angels are, you know, continuing to tick off, and that time's getting closer of making the decision on Joe Adele whether he starts the year in Triple A or he's up with the big league team. But you know, getting a guy like Hunter Renfro just hurts um, him starting hurts um Joe Adele starting yeah. you know legitimately as of right now um in 2023. All right. Other Angels news. John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Francisco Rodriguez, and Jared Weaver are making their debut on the 2023 BBWAA Hall of Fame ballot. They are joining two another set of two former Angels who are returning to the ballot in Tory Hunter and Bobby Abreu. Kyle, what was your reaction seeing um, the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot being announced? Yeah, I think these are all guys that are deserving of this. It's good to see Tory Hunter and Bobby Abreu back on there, and hopefully they get a little, little bit more votes this time around. And I think all these other guys are really interesting to be on here. John Lackey, K-Rod, um, Jared Weaver, all deserving, of course. Houston Street didn't have his best years in Anaheim, but we all know how good he was in his prime. And Mike Napoli was definitely interesting as well. I think he won a World Series with the Red Sox, if I'm not mistaken. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely interesting to see him on this list as well. Um, Who would you kind of expect to get the most votes on, at least from the new names on this ballot? Is it K-Rod? I think it's K-Rod. I think the bigger question, though, is who's going to get – that minimum 5% to remain on the ballot. Right. Um, in order to build their Hall of Fame cases, you know, the 10 years time. 
I think that's the big question here. Yeah. Um, between these five players. Mm-hmm. You know, because especially now, you know, with no Bonds, no Clemens, um, you know, no Schilling, you know, that's three open spots. Right. And so that, that I think that's the question when it comes to the Hall of Fame ballot in this year is, will writers use all 10 of her ballots to um, and make some of these players into eligible to remain on the ballot in 2024. Alright, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to talk some World Cup. We're also going to do some NFL. My fantasy struggles continue um, this week, but we're going to get into all that coming up next <laughs> on Down the Line. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. I'm Barbara Honda alongside Kyle Betts. This is the second half of episode number 76 of Down the Line. We're going to now continue talking some World Cup action. We mentioned the United States, their 1-1 draw over Wales um, back on Monday. But one of the big news even before that was the announcement of France um, not having one of their star players in Kareem Benzema. Due to injury, Kyle, what was your reaction hearing about Kareem Benzema not playing in this World Cup? Yeah, it's big. He suffered the injury in training, and it's interesting because, <laughs> again, I picked him to win in our last episode with Juan Daniel Avila, mm-hmm. obviously. We picked him to win the whole thing. Um, it definitely affects them, and they have to kind of go within their depth, but I think Olivia Giroud, he's a really nice guy to fill in that striker for them. He's been kind of their Mr. Reliable through the years. And he scored twice in their game versus Australia, their first group game. They ended up winning that 4-1. So um, it it definitely affects them, but I think they have the depth to still make a deep run in this tournament. I don't know if they're going to win, but they're going to have to ask more of Kylian Mbappe, not only his his scoring ability, but just creating more chances. I think that's going to have to be his role because – Giroud can really finish anything right now. He's in perfect form, I think, for them to um, at least face the situation. Um, he's going to have to be their guy, and I think he will step up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Up next for France, they take on Denmark. Continuing group stage, this is on, I'm reading this right, on Saturday. Third game of the schedule that day um, on the group stage, so. That is for France. Um, we've seen already seen some upsets so far this tournament. First was Saudi Arabia knocking off Argentina Argentina to start off their World Cup run, winning 2-1. to one. Yeah, that was definitely a surprise. We saw Argentina score three offside goals early on, and then 
the penalty, obviously, to Messi. That was in, I think, like the 10th minute or something like that. Second half, everything was looking good. And then Saudi Arabia just got a lot more aggressive in how they approached the game. They scored two incredible goals. I mean, there's no chance you could save either of those. I think a little bit of luck going their way too. But I think that's what you need to have in order to be a team like Argentina. And one of the biggest upsets of all time, it was crazy to see. We have also saw another one today with Japan. Yep. They got dominated pretty much the entire game, at least statistics-wise. I didn't watch it, but they ended up beating Germany in the last 15 minutes 2-1 as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of historic 2-1 wins going on for these underdogs in this yep. tournament so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Japan got two goals beginning in the 75th minute, and then they got one eight minutes later. Um, in the 83rd minute to take the lead in, get their three points over Germany. Um, all right, up next for the United States after their 1-1 draw um, against Wales is a matchup against England. And in that matchup, we're not sure of the uh, um, status of England's Harry Kane uh, with Kim getting an angle stand. Kyle, what are the expectations um, for Friday's matchup between these two teams. Yeah, it's scary. Um, it's obviously a tough spot to be in, um, especially for the U.S. Coming off one point against Wales, they really wanted three points out of that, but they only got one. So I think now it just comes down to how they can respond in this game versus England. And obviously England are the heavy favorites in this game. Um, but... I think having no Harry Kane is something, if that is the case, it's going to have to be something that they capitalize on, the U.S. And I think counterattacks are going to be really important in this game. We saw them handle that very well against Wales. And, yeah, I think if you're able to get one point against England, that is a massive win, and it puts them above the edge. But I think we do all expect a loss to England just because their quality is incredible. Um it's going to be tough, man. I, I think that's really the only way you can put it. But I think a little bit of luck's going to have to come their way, like I said. And if they play well, if they play together, if they're not sloppy like they were at times against Wales, like they should have won that game against Wales for sure. But that penalty conceded, that was part of the sloppiness that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If they if they kind of refrain from that, if they play smart, if they're patient, then I think they're able to get at least a point. And that'll put them in a good spot to come away second in this group. Mm-hmm. The thing that stood out about that Wales game uh, for the U.S., they had they attempted six shots, but only one was on goal. And mm-hmm. I think this is a U.S. team that has to continue to continue to put shots that are had the potential to go in, go in the net mm-hmm. um, come Friday, especially going up against an England team that put up six. Um, against Iran the other day. Yeah. All right. We're going to move from the World Cup to the NBA, where Ben Simmons returned to Philadelphia to play against the 76ers on Tuesday. So yesterday, now in a Nets uniform, it's the first time in 886 days he's played on the Wells Fargo Center floor since Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Hawks in June of 2021. Kyle, what was your reaction to watching Ben Simmons uh, play last night against the 76ers? Yeah, it was a great game, and it was definitely interesting to see the fan response to 
Ben Simmons being back, we all expected a sort of revenge game from him. And he did play well in terms of his stats that he was able to do. He impacted the game as we expected. 11 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists. But it was really cool to see the Sixers pull up on top, pull away late in that game, scoring 30 points in the second quarter and the fourth quarter as well. They won by nine points. And this is a game without Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Joel Embiid. And it's incredible what they were able to do. De'Anthony Melton scored 22. Tobias Harris scored 24. And I think it's just a testament to how the Nets are not great on defense. And they had a couple games after Steve Nash left where it kind of all changed. But now it's we're seeing the true color of the Nets here again. And despite KD and Kyrie Irving... They weren't able to keep up with the Sixers minus all their stars, and that was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The 76ers last night had 47 points off of the bench, um, including 19 from Reed and 16 from Yang. So um, you saw a lot of players get involved there. Five players with at least 16 points um, for the 76ers. However, P.J. Tucker made history last night, You know, fourth straight game, zero points by playing. At least 25 minutes. That is the first time that's happened since uh, minutes were tracked um, back in 1951 52. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to get to, we're going to come back to the NBA in a little bit for trivia, but we're going to move on to the NFL for now, where Melvin Gordon and Daryl Henderson were each weighed by their teams. Melvin Gordon by the Denver Broncos, um, Daryl Henderson by the Rams. Uh, Melvin Gordon fumbled the ball in a key situation on Sunday against the Raiders, went unclaimed, mm-hmm. uh, making him a free agent. Kyle, what's your action scene? Melvin Gordon uh, um, get waived by the Broncos. Oh, my gosh, yeah. This is huge for the Broncos to come away with this um, and, and make this move. I mean, it, to be honest, it should have happened long ago. I think we can all agree on that. There's this video I saw of a compilation of his fumbles that was posted on Twitter and it was two minutes and 20 <laughs> seconds long. So yeah, I think it was the right time to, for that to happen. Um, costing them another game on Sunday and maybe not costing them the game, but I mean, it, that fumble played a huge part into what happened fumbling mm-hmm. on the goal line. And so after that fumble, the field goal was blocked going into halftime and it's just like, yep. why does this have to happen again? So yeah, I think they're in a good position. There's no Chase Edmonds because he's hurt now, too, but they do have Latavius Murray, who's looked pretty decent, and then they have Marlon Mack as well. So we're going to have to have these veterans step in and step up in his uh, now absence, Melvin Gordon. But uh, it's interesting because he went unclaimed on waivers, so not only do the Broncos mm-hmm. not want him, I guess no one else does, too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to some Week 12 games, some couple of winning teams facing off each other both on Thursday and on Sunday tomorrow. Let's kick off the middle game tomorrow. The Giants are at Dallas um, in a big NFC East matchup. Kyle, who do you have in this one? Yeah, no better game to have on Thanksgiving than these two 7-3 and three teams. Um, it's going to be a close one, I think. But ultimately, I think the Cowboys defense is what stands out. And I think they're going to be able to contain Daniel Jones to a degree, and they're going to make the Giants run the ball. And that's where they're going to have to, that's where they're going to have to win this game. So 
I think the Cowboys offense has looked good as of late, especially with Tony Pollard. Um, but their defense is going to have to make plays to win. So I think the Cowboys do win. I'll take them by four. Mm-hmm. All right. Next we go. Um, I'm going to take the Cowboys as well. Their win last week against the Vikings really set the stage. I think they went 40 to three. I think it was. Um, Dak Prescott just continued to find his receivers, find Tony Pollard. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys as well here on Thanksgiving. All right. Second game is the night game that follows the Cowboys. And that is the Vikings coming out there, lost to the Cowboys. They host. The Patriots, um, tomorrow, Kai, who do you got here uh, between the Pats and the Vikings? Yeah, I think another good game. Um, last week I took the Vikings, I believe. It didn't work out. So I'm going to go with them again, though. Um, Patriots, mm-hmm. they struggled against the Jets, and it took a special team's play in order to win. And that's not a knock on them either because the Jets are a really good defense. But I think the Vikings in this position – we don't know how Kirk Cousins is going to play in prime time, but I think they're in a really good spot to win this game and get their ninth win of the season here. I think they need to rely more on the run. And I know you like to hear that too, Brevin, because yes. it starts with Dalvin Cook, and that's where they need to really impose their will. Um, mm-hmm. Because Matt Judon leads the league in sacks right now for the Patriots. And I think if you're going to be able to impose your will, it's going to start on the O-line, and that's running the ball. So, if we're able to do that, Vikings should win by 10. Yeah, this is where we saw, I think this is now we get to the point where we're seeing the toll of this pass-heavy offense from Kevin O'Connell. And luckily, it's only one game, and yeah. the Vikings are still the number two spot in the NFC playoff picture. So I think it just tells you that, you know, you can't always rely on the pass, the pass, the pass. You know, you can't always throw it to Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson. You have to you have to run the ball. I mean, Dalvin Cook last week, how many carries did he get? Because he he only had eleven carries uh for seventy two yards. Mm-hmm. He needs especially, closer to twenty. Especially when you put up just under seven yards of carry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a telling stat right there. You need to run the ball more. Or at least yes. it, it depends on your situation in the game. But mm-hmm. as long as you're able to do that, um, you should run the ball more for sure. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook has one, two, three, four, five, six games with at least 17 carries um, this season. All right. Uh, I'm going to take, take the Vikings as well. I've said the Patriots a punt return for a touchdown to do that um, in a 3-3 game at that point with 26 seconds left in the fourth quarter. But this weekend, got to take the Vikings um, in this one. That offense is too good, even if they go from more of a run heavy this week. All right. Mm-hmm. Third game that we're getting to um, is a Sunday morning game at 10 a.m. It's the Bengals. Facing the Titans, the Bengals are trying to get back to their winning ways. Kyle, who do you got here in this matchup? Yeah, this is a really good game here. Bengals at Titans. I don't really know who's going to end up winning this game, especially since this game is in Nashville. I'm going to take the Bengals. I think they win this game by three. It's going to be really close, even maybe by two. Um, not sure what the spread is. You would have to think the Titans are favored at home, but I'm going to go with the Bengals here. I think that they need to 
pass the ball a lot, and they also need to get Joe Mixon involved too because last week it was kind of odd to see them win the game, but Samaj P. Ryan scored, what, two or three touchdowns? And Joe Mixon... Was, um, mm-hmm. Joe Mixon... Yeah, the key for that was Joe Mixon... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mixon came out of the game uh, and he went put in the concussion protocol. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I, I didn't so even watch why. that game at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even following that game, but I just saw the stats after and I was like, where's Joe Mixon? Like, what happened? But... Yeah, mm-hmm. Especially yeah, if they put up I mean, five touchdowns a couple weeks ago. Right, exactly. It's so interesting to see his point fluctuation, you know, week after week. But, um, yeah, I, I think throwing the ball is where it's going to start for the Bengals. That includes Joe Mixon if he does play as a part of their mm-hmm. offense because we've seen him get six, seven targets a game at times. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. just throwing the ball well, distributing to different players – T. Higgins is going to be their main guy, but I want to see more from Hayden Hurst, too. He's got to be that sort of X factor in the red zone. So mm-hmm. stopping the run is going to be important for the Bengals. Yes. Make mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill win the game with his arm. Make him do it. Um, so I got the Bengals barely in this game. Yeah, I think if the Bengals want to get back to the playoffs, this is going to be a need. This is going to be a crucial game here. Because it just sets the momentum. We think about the Titans; they're coming off a Thursday night win over the Packers. Um, and so, with, with the Bengals getting a victory like this, with or without Joe Mixon, he's still in the concussion protocol. Would be huge, especially on the road. Um, and like you mentioned, Kyle, it's gonna all about their defense and stopping the run going up against a uh, running back like Derrick Henry. Ooh. All right. We talked a little bit about my fantasy team, both Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon struggling last week. Obviously, Joe Mixon got hurt last week. Yeah. Um, but that was the theme for me as I lost to Andrew Finley uh, by 50-plus points. I lost 131 to 83. I had some injuries and a lot of single-digit totals. Kyle Pitts went, uh, had a knee injury, was put on IR, oh, it seems like an MCL, torn MCL, I think it was, so he probably have surgery. Joe Mason came out with the concussion, and Kadarius Coney, who I decided to start over Mike Williams, had a hamstring uh, injury during the Sunday night game. Yeah, I think Mike Williams had a catch or two, but he also went out, right? So mm-hmm. He re-aggravated it, that right ankle. Yeah, so all your guys are getting hurt right now. That's mm-hmm. just unlucky. So when I look at the scoring... Jalen Hurts was the top scorer in our matchup between Finley and I. Mm-hmm. However, my two running backs, my two wide receivers, my tight end, and my flex, well, and the defense, all had single-digit points. Mm-hmm. Even though Evan McPherson put up 17. Oh, my gosh. It was a pretty yeah, big just... week for kickers. I think the kickers all combined to outscore the running backs, I feel like, this week. Yeah, I think some <laughs> one kicker, I can't remember who, but he got like 23. Maybe I'm thinking of last, like, yeah, before, Brett but... Mayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, there you go. Who I faced this week, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, even my bench was single digits. Mike Williams, one catch for 15 yards. JJ John, 3.3. Uh, Alexander Radisson is a handcuff to Dalvin Cook, 1.8. Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel, 9.8. And Cole Komet, 6.5. So, 
Didn't yeah. get much on the bench either. And we look at Kyle's matchup. Kyle put up the second highest weekly score of the season, putting up 170 points and getting the win over Daniel Guerrero, 170 to 141. As you mentioned, the second highest score. The highest score was when DG scored 174 points on Kyle back in week two. So Kyle returning the favor here, getting some help from Tony Pollard and Amari Cooper. Yeah, it was much needed because when someone puts up 141, you're like, okay, you know, they're deserving of winning that, but I'll, I'll take it, you know, second mm-hmm. highest to DG's mm-hmm. total when he beat me when he scored 174 in week two. So it feels nice to get a little bit of revenge here. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, we mentioned last week that Jason Froome was 10-0. and 0. He lost this week. So ending his 10-game winning streak to start the year, he lost to Brandon Free. The score of that game, uh, that matchup, Brandon Free put up 160 to Jason Freund's 104. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both um, Jason's, Justin Jefferson just put up 6.3 points. Deontay Foreman had 2.4. Ramondre Stevenson 4.2, but but Brandon Free was benefited by Najee Harris getting two touchdowns, 90 yards, 27.6 fantasy points, and Travis Kelsey having three touchdowns um, in that 30-27 to win over the Chargers, uh, including that game-winning touchdown. Yeah, I got Brandon Free this week, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to be a good matchup. I don't really know what to expect out of my players because – it never really seems like you do, but I think the Cowboys are due for a big game against the Giants. Um, that offense mm-hmm. has just been moving as of late, and I also have their defense. So that's a game I'm going to be paying a lot of attention mm-hmm. to. C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, yep. Cowboys defense on my team mm-hmm. this week. I also have Ayuk, but I don't know if I can sit Christian Kirk because Christian Kirk has been performing very well. He's a ninth-rated fantasy receiver this year, and I wasn't sure if that was sustainable, but it seems like it is right now, so so good for him. Mm-hmm. And I also made a waiver move last yes, night. I did. picked up mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco. Yep, good waiver wire pick up there, Kyle. So, mm-hmm. Now with yeah. CEH going on injury reserve. Oh, really? I didn't even know that, but it's, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, two games ago he had zero carries. Last game he didn't do much, so. Yeah, this Pacheco kid, he's he's really fast. I think he had over 100 yards mm-hmm. last week, too. So it's looking good for him. Yeah, 107 yards on 15 carries. Game before that, he had 82 yards. So they're finding different ways to get him the ball. And, yeah, he could be a nice bench option. Mm-hmm. I picked up Samaje P. Ryan um, in the event that Joe Mason can't go. We saw the passing volume that he got last week. Um, let's see. Last week against the Steelers, um, 11 carries for 30 yards, but four catches for 52 yards and three touchdowns for Samashi Piran. Yeah, it's looking good for us right now, Brevin. Despite you falling to five and six, you still have a 78% chance of making the playoffs. And re- regardless of percentages, still have the five spot. Exactly. Regardless of percentages, you're still in a good spot. Andrew Finley is five and six, and then Amber Salas behind mm-hmm. us. I just have uh, to four and seven. 
So it's, it's just, it's just a means of closing out the year mm-hmm. pretty much at this point. And yeah, I like this format of having putting up points. Yeah. I like this format of having six teams in, um, especially cause at one point yes. I, I was scared about the fate of my team. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to do it without Kyle Pitts for the remainder of the year. So tight and watch tight end streaming. Here we come. I, I'm just looking at uh, my team right now, and I've made 33 moves in the waiver wire. That's the most of any mm-hmm. team, so I guess it's paying off. I've also yes. won six in a row, which honestly I didn't even realize. It feels like I've won, mm-hmm. like I don't know, four out of the last six or four out of the last mm-hmm. five, but yeah, it, it's a good spot. Mm-hmm. started out f- one and four, and now I've worked my way back up. Yep, Kyle is the number three seed right now of the playoffs. Ended today, the tiebreaker is the points for So, how many total points that you score, uh, that is the first tiebreaker. Um, in our sayings, like I mentioned, I take on a th- Daniel Guerrero, who both and I each have five-week losing streaks. So, one of those losing streaks is going to be snapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on the verge, I think, of elimination week for both Daniel, Devin, and Luis. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a big week too because if I beat B Freed, who's the two seed, then I yep. would have a first round bye, and I think that's really you important would. to have. Mm-hmm. Kyle has scored the most points in our league up to this point. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. At one thousand five hundred and fifteen points, you know the tiebreaker really should be points against. Yeah, low key, <laughs> low key. <laughs> I've had Let's see how good your defense is against you, and even though you really can't defend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. And and it's interesting because Andrew Finley's had the least amount of points scored against him this season, but he's sitting in six right now, so Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, we gotta talk about defense wins championships. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get to trivia. So, mentioned it in the NBA. We saw Luka Doncic get his 50th career triple-double uh, back on Friday. So, Kyle, I want you to tell me who are the nine players, nine NBA players above Luka Doncic uh, in the NBA triple-doubles list. All right, number one, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yep, there you go. Has 194 career triple-doubles. Um, all right. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Yep. Wilt Chamberlain is number three, six, eight. Number eight on my list. No, number seven on my list. He's got 78 career dribble levels. Interesting. Two for two. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me keep thinking here. Is LeBron on this list? Yep. LeBron is number five. He is the, uh, he has 105 triple doubles. He is uh, has the lowest among those that have uh, more than 100. Okay. So those uh, that are underneath LeBron have below 100. All right. What about Kareem? Is he on here? Kareem is not on this list. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Let's see. Kareem has. Uh, Kareem just has 21 triple doubles in his 23rd. 
Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, now I'm going to do some thinking now here. Um, mm. I doubt he's on this list too, but I'm going to go Magic. Magic is third on this list, has 138 triple levels. Nice. So I need what? Five more? Two, four, six, eight, and nine. Would be two on here. I'm trying to think, it would be two. Um, this is tough, man. Uh, I doubt Kobe's on here. I no, man. I doubt Chris Paul's on here too because he didn't get a lot of rebounds. Mm. Both of those are a no, pal. Okay. I'm just kind of trying to think of guys who get a ton of points. And rebounds and assists. <laughs> There's still a couple of active players um, okay. on this list that you haven't mentioned. Okay. Interesting. I'm trying to think of like older guys who could be on here. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I don't know. I'm completely blanking on guys being on here. Active players? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You you might have to give me the list, man. Because not KD. KD can't be on here. Uh, nope. I doubt Steph Curry's on here. No. Where's Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant has his 35th on this list. He's got 17. Yeah. yeah I was going to say no way. He has, he's close to 50. Uh, James Harden. James Harden. There you go. Uh huh. James Harden is eighth on this list. Has sixty nine career triple doubles. All right. There's one. There's one. There's one. Huh. Okay. Uh, I guess Michael Jordan is he on this list? MJ is not on this list. Okay. I was gonna say. I doubt he got many. Rebounds, or maybe even assists, to be honest with you. But Michael Jordan is 19th on the all-time triple doubles list. He's got 28. Okay. Okay. Huh. Trying to think of other names here. Players that you're missing, Kyle. The three player, the the three former players that you're missing, they are Hall of Famers. I'm just going to throw names out. Reggie Miller? Nope. Mm. You might just have to give me the list. Larry Bird? Was Larry Bird on here? There you go. There's Larry Bird. Uh huh. Larry Bird is 59. Uh, has 59 career okay. triple levels. It's ninth on this list. There we go. Um, Reggie? Nope, not that. Not that Reggie. Reggie, no, I don't think Reggie Miller has or didn't record a triple double in his career. Oh, really? Huh. If he did, it's only one. Okay, keep going, Kyle. Uh, Three more names. Mm, Two of them are Hall of Famers. Bill Russell? Nope. Yes, yeah, so. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. 
Man, this is tough. Yeah, I think I'm going to call it. I'm going to call right. it. I don't know. All right. So second on the all-time triple doubles list, the name that you're mm. looking for is Oscar Robertson. Oh, okay. 181 yeah. triple doubles. He had the record that spanned at least 30, 40 years, something like that. Um, Number yeah. four, the other Hall of Famer that you missed with 107 triple doubles, Jason Kidd. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have got Jason Kidd. Uh-huh. But that's, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. And the active player that you did not mention, he's got 79 triple doubles, just past Wilt Chamberlain for most triple doubles by a center, Nikola Jokic. Oh, wow. Okay, he has that mm-hmm. many? That's crazy. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have guessed him either, but, yeah, that's it's all a list of names for sure. Some guys I mm-hmm. I wouldn't even thought of Oscar Robinson, which I I should have known, but I just I just wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought of him. Mm-hmm. So there Six you go. Six nine, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take it. That's pretty solid. Hmm. Figured. Uh, let me throw some more NBA in here for trivia. Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to do it for us here on down the line uh, this week. Um, as we close out episode number 76 uh, let's see next week we'll talk some more uh, Major League Baseball the winter meetings are going to be going to start the following week um, let's see continue talking the World Cup some more fantasy football some NFL mm-hmm. hopefully I can end this five game losing streak um, against Daniel Guerrero who also has a five game losing streak <laughs> um, but hopefully um it is a good week. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving tomorrow filled with yes, food, football, and fun. So with that, that's going to do it for us here on Down the Line for Kyle Bits. I am Bruno Hunter. We thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. <laughs>